African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us right here on Channel Africa. It's a new day. It is Wednesday. Can you believe it's August already and almost the end of the month? So this year has been speedily moving on. But thank you for joining us right now, right here on Channel Africa. This is African Dialogue where we contextualize uh, the African issues. Remember, we're on uh, DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. And uh, thank you to those who are listening to us in Sub-Saharan Africa on the shortwave service. Uh, and uh, that's the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31 meter band to southern africa you can also stream us live on www.channelafrica.co.za today we're looking at a health story we haven't looked at a health story in a long time uh, but uh, it was very much uh, uh, our uh, producer in the background who insisted that we should do this program i was kind of very pessimistic about it but the more i also started reading up on this particular issue there was definitely a story here and something that was very, very alarming. Uh, and uh, I read a very interesting uh, report on uh, the conversation.com website. It's a very brilliant uh, academic and journalistic website. And there was an article by Kobimbi So Mbenyan, who's a professor and head of division human nutrition at the Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences at the Stellenbosch University, writing alongside Irene Lamumbach who was highlighting the issue of the fact that in South Africa, you're seeing two interesting dynamics that South Africans are having a twin malnutrition challenges, which is hunger and obesity. Now, you'll think in one society, a big problem will be maybe just obesity or it'll be just hunger. But in a country such as South Africa, both hunger and obesity are both rising in one goal. And uh, this is a sign that's showing forms of malnutrition. Let me just quote from this article. They highlight that poverty leads to food uh, deprivation and undernutrition, which is in extreme cases, it leads to stunting. Research suggests that undernutrition in early life may play a role in promoting adult obesity. Studies in three continents also show that nutritional stunting, usually caused by chronic undernutrition, is also associated with adult fatness. That's very interesting. Now, a journal reported earlier that this year that young South Africans who are suffering from obesity has doubled six years while it has only taken 13 years for countries such as the United States. It was highlighted in the International Journal 
of epidemiology. And uh, this was also showing a greater increase of obesity in low and middle income countries due to socioeconomic and demographic uh, changes. We also know that the World Health Organization has stated that while overweight rates in children might still be low on the African continent, the proportion and rates are increasing in all age groups. Among adults, for example, overweight, including obesity, affects about one in three women that's in countries such as Gabon, Ghana, and Lesotho. And I would also include South Africa as we're seeing that as a dynamic here. Let's have this conversation with our guests who are joining us on the line. As I mentioned her on this particular fantastic article, go check it out on the conversations titled South Africa's Twin Malnutrition Challenges, Hunger and Obesity. I've got Professor Agri So Mbenyane, who is a professor and head of division in nutrition at the Faculty of the Medicine and Health Sciences, uh, Sciences rather, of Stellenbosch University. Also have Dr. Florence Malongane, who is a lecturer and a registered nutritionist from the Department of Life and Consumer Sciences at the University of South Africa. Joining us from Geneva is Dr. Francesco Branca, who is uh, the WHO's Director of the Department of Nutrition for Health and uh, Department. Uh, uh, Department of Health and Nutrition. Now, I want to start with you, uh, Professor Mbenyane, because this was a very fascinating um, piece that you wrote alongside your colleague, especially the fact that you actually look at these two challenges of hunger and obesity in one go. Tell us a little bit about what inspired this article, Professor, and what actually was behind uh, uh, your research personally. Um, good morning to all listeners and good morning to uh, Florence and the other colleagues from the other side. Um, this, um, my research um, is, uh, I've also done research with uh, Florence um, in, in the Pombo on children, um, Dr. Malungan. Um, this article is um, influenced by the fact that we often talk about the double burden of disease, mm. um, having both uh, malnutrition refers to undernutrition as well as overnutrition. And the question that we are often asked is how, how do you explain um, the, the prevalence of both um, at the country level and more often in what we see in the same household that you find the adults are overnourished and the children mm. are undernourished. So this article was an attempt to bring together the, the research and the findings of the various studies to try to explain that. And, and of course, if uh, as we go along, you'll see that a number of we, we talk about um, um, the undernutrition, there's an issue of access, mm. um, having the means and, and the tools to be able to access food in terms of the, the, the purchasing power and, and the quality of foods, uh, not just the quantity. So the, the undernutrition is related to poverty and inequities whereas the overnutrition is related to both the poverty as well as having 
um, more access to, to funds. And in the South African context, we know that at council level, we produce sufficient food to feed the nation and even to export. And the question that arises is um, how do the, the quotas that have no access what is going on there, and we do know that it's because of lack of access and the food prices. Mm, mm, and, mm. and whereas on the overnutrition side, we know we have an issue with our lifestyle. Mm. <laughs> the problem with the lifestyle, uh, uh, um, adhering to healthy lifestyle um, advice, such as increased physical activity, mm. And, and following the, the South African food-based dietary guidelines to eat healthy foods and to stay healthy. Mm. Let so me bring so it to bring sure. this dichotomy to say while we're still battling with um, trying to solve the problem of those who go to bed hungry, we also have those that are, are battling uh, with behavioral change to mm. make sure that we we live healthy lifestyle and eat well. Professor Mbenyane, let me bring in Dr. Malongane in this conversation because I think what has been happening for a long time is that, um, uh, Dr. Malongane, is that we've separated the issue of hunger and obesity. And always we think that uh, when it comes to hunger, it's those who are poor, and when it comes to obesity, it's it's those who, who are wealthy. But now reading more of the research, you can see that there's an interrelation between the two due to the socioeconomic changes that we're seeing in um, middle-income countries. Yes, thank you so much. And I would like to greet the participant. Um, I'm happy I'm with my supervisor. (laughs) That's fantastic. (laughs) On the same show. Okay, what a coincidence. Yeah. Yes, what is happening now, because it's it's a combination of facts, we are seeing people who are poor, and yet obese, poor and yet obese. And the question is why? Mm. You go to the township, you go to the village. I spoke to my sister and she says, Florence, things have changed. People in the village are now obese. Mm. And the challenge of obesity, it comes along with so many chronic diseases of lifestyles. We know statistically that diabetes has skyrocketed. We're now dealing, battling with cancer and cardiovascular, and those are connected to the obesity. But I want to highlight three important factors that I've discovered are more linked to that poor yet obese. Mm. One factor is we're eating too much refined carbohydrate, too much of sugar, and those become easily accessible and affordable in the townships. We're coming from winter now. What is a stable of a township meal? It's bread, it's pap, which is fiberless. It's also the issue of, 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 of maguinha, for instance. Mm. And those are highly loaded with calories. That's one. The second one is too much fat, and cheap fat for that matter. Because you go to the township, what, what we buy in Woolworth and what you buy in the township supermarket, it's not the same. And if you can check in terms of LSM, those that are selling far more healthy food and not affordable are more in a higher LSM group compared to the lower LSM group. And, and, and so many combinatory factors. And we spoke about issue of physical activity. Are we having enough space in the township to really run? 
is congested? Is it safe? You get my point? Are they having access sure. to the gym? Can yeah, they afford yeah, yeah. the gym? And that is why you have that combination. Unfortunately, the other thing is there's lack of micronutrients, which are vitamins, minerals, and phytochemicals. And we know that when the body is deficient, it will crave for more. And when it craves for more, what happens is they go back to eating refined sugar or refined carbohydrate. They go back to eating what they are eating, and the more the body keeps on craving. And the question could be, is there a link between vitamin, minerals, deficiencies because in terms of the intake of food and vegetables in our townships and rural areas, the graph has gone down. We're eating far less than recommended fruits and vegetables. You go and take a survey, for instance, the, the, the recent one, which is the South African Health and Nutrition Exemption Survey that was done. The consumption of fruits and veg is very low. Sugar has gone very high. Fat has gone very high. And those combined, they make the poor to have obesity. The poor have diabetic. The poor have cardiovascular. They cannot afford the health system because it's now going to be very expensive. And if we're not doing anything, we're going to reach a tipping point where we have a working force which is obese and sickly. Mm. Let me bring in Dr. Francesco Branca from the World Health Organization. And I know that you released a report last year looking at nutrition on the African continent to Dr. Branca. And it's very interesting that the report really unpacks the contradictions. And you do highlight in that report that uh, uh, there's still a big issue on the African continent around undernutrition. It's still persistent in the region. And we still have a problem of stunted children. And that's increased continentally. I know that uh, Dr. Malongane and Professor Mbenyane have been speaking around the South African context, but it's very, very complex on the African continent to see uh, that we're seeing these various contradictions when it comes to African wellness and food intake. Sure. Uh, Well, first of all, good morning to everybody and thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, Africa faces what we call the double burden of malnutrition. So this is really a combination of different forms of undernutrition, but particularly the chronic side. So children are actually small for their age. They're not necessarily thin. And then uh, we see an increasing uh, rate of overweight. And in fact, uh, there are some parts of Africa, particularly Northern Africa and Southern Africa, which are heavily affected by these contradictions. And this has been changing very quickly. So why we're having a bit of a decrease in stunting, not as quick as we would like to see, we're having, we're seeing a rapid increase in the overweight. At the moment, South Africa, not just South Africa as a state, but as a sub-region, as a part of the region, you know, with the neighboring South Africa and neighboring countries, sure. is actually the highest rate of childhood overweight. So children under five, there's about uh, one in, in fact, more than one in ten children under five have this problem of being overweight. And at the same time, they're perhaps short. So, so this has been changing, uh, you know, very rapidly, uh, you know, in the, in the last few years. And as was mentioned by, by your colleagues, it's because of a changing food environment. Mm. So when a child is born, is born small or, or grows uh, small because of, uh, you know, poor uh, sanitation and lack of water because of, uh, you know, the disease, because of food insecurity, then 
she or he is exposed to a food environment which is, uh, as was said, you know, f full of products which are which do not have the right nutrients. They have a lot of uh, simple carbohydrates, sugars, fats, uh, and they do not have the right nutrients. And then they're not able to cope. So that's why they develop that uh, overweight and obesity very, very quickly. And in South Africa, particularly girls and particularly women are affected by that. It's not only happening in Africa. It's also happening in, in South Asia and Central Asia. We have this uh, uh, combination of, uh, of uh, forms uh, of malnutrition. Very interesting dynamics, and these connections are very, very rare to actually have them spoken about in such an implicit way that we are doing, or explicit way rather, that we are doing right now on our program. But let's take a quick break. Stay with me, um, experts on the line, and I want us to look at the socioeconomic factors that are contributing to what we're seeing when it comes to nutrition on the African continent. Let's take a quick break. Swiss chocolate wouldn't be Swiss chocolate without African cocoa. <laughs> you know, it's funny when you think about it that way because you realize just how important Africa is to the global economy. And as long as we are deemed to be inferior by the community out there, nothing's ever going to change. I believe it was one of the uh, ancient Greek philosophers who said that when we teach, we'll learn twice. Hello, Africa. Welcome to 1000 African Voices on Channel Africa. 1000 African Voices every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. with repeats on Sundays between 10 and 11 as well as on Monday morning between 3 and 4 Central African time. 1,000 African voices with me, Awurengwi C on Channel Africa, the voice of the African Renaissance from an African perspective. 25 minutes past 11 o'clock Central African time. You're listening to African Dialogue from Monday to Thursday. We bring you experts to look at the big subject matters on the African continent. And today we're looking at health. And our focus is looking at uh, the relationship between obesity and malnutrition on the African continent. We're using South Africa as a case study. But thank you to Dr. Franco, uh, Francesco Brancarada, who's giving us uh, also a general context from an African perspective. I want to come back. Back to Professor Mbenyane to look at the socioeconomic factors that contribute to uh, this conversation that we have been we're having right now on this health issue. Because just was highlighted by uh, Dr. Uh, Malongani, uh, it was interesting that she cited speaking to one of her cousins in the rural areas. See, things are changing here, and uh, in the rural areas whereby before uh, we didn't see so much obesity in the environment. One would think that the more affluent we become or the more um, middle income our societies are becoming that will become more uh, health conscious because historically in rural areas, the main foods were fruits and vegetables, but it seems like things are, are turning around and uh, with this middle income society that uh, we're becoming, uh, that even uh, the types of foods that we are eating are changing, Professor. Yes, um, thank you. Um, um, I'm, I've just come from, uh, we have a research day today from presenting some preliminary data we did in the rural villages in the Pompo and mm. found very poor um, eating habits in an area where you expect them to do better and also high levels of overweight and obesity. So the, I think the issue is whether it's um, a rural 
context or an urban context. The the issues are around the the environment, not only the food environment, but the environment and behavioral factors. Um, some of them, um, Dr. Malunga alluded to them, the the lifestyle, the the, the issue of physical inactivity, because in the rural areas as well as the urban areas, the, the purchasing, the access to to the food, it, it's more or less similar. So you have got puzzle shops that sell certain quality foods uh, that have been described by um, Dr. Malunga. Mm. So I think the the living conditions, the lifestyles, but we also, so, so the poor quality foods, the poor quality uh, lifestyles, including the physical inactivity, mm. um, no longer working long distances, not too much work, and even working in the home gardens or in the fields. Um, and also we see that even our schools are less active in those activities than we were uh, before. So the, 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 the environment around which people uh, find themselves. But on the, we also know, um, as the Dr. Franco mentioned, that with the African women in particular and in uh, rural areas, we find obesity is very high. But there are certain beliefs also that play into this. Um, you know, mm. culturally, if you are um, happy mm. and, and wealthy, you're supposed to have a certain a figure, you know, <laughs> you're supposed to. So there are a lot of behavioral um, issues. But um, being a South African and living with people and attending, um, I'm also originally from Lipompa and I go there and I go to things like uh, uh, family gatherings, social gatherings. I think that we overeat. <laughs> People over it. Yeah, we um, enjoy our meats as well, don't we? Yes, we enjoy a large meal. The meat and, <laughs> and the statues, and, mm. as Dr. Malungani said. So poor eating habits in terms of fruits and vegetables, overeating the statues and the meat. and very, So we, we eat much more than we are expanding because we are not, we are not physically... Active. And many of us, even uh, professionals, who are guilty of that. So there's less and less um, uh, physical activity engagement. So, and, mm. and even in the rural areas, mm. we find that people, especially those people who don't work, they are mm. at home, they do nothing, they just go buy food and eat mm. and, you know, their routine. Mm. You know, what's also concerning is also the way that... Uh, and where we buy our food. Um, coming to you, Dr. Malungan, is, you know, there's been a lot of reports around, you know, the spaza shops and the types of foods that they sell and how they repackage probably inferior food in, in maybe a, a, a different kind of package that would make one believe that this is a quality item that I'm getting. I've also noticed in the townships that we're getting more and more uh, takeaway outlets as more KFCs and McDonald's and there's uh, more of a, that commercialized type of foods that we are starting to eat more in these areas. And that seems to be another problem, isn't it? 
It is. It is. Actually, I have this code, and I say your zip code matters more than your genetic code in obesity. Mm. What does that mean, um, uh, Dr. Malungan? Come again? I was just wanting you to expand on that idea. Your zip code matters more than your genetic code. Where you live matters most than your genes. Because now the environment that used to be very conducive, I want to take you back to, to 20 years back in African context. We're not necessarily disciplined in terms of, of, of being obese. We are not. But our environment was imposing discipline on us. At the moment, we are not necessarily undisciplined, but our environment is imposing obesity on us. How so? How so, doctor? Be- because at the moment, you go around and, and take stock of what is in the shops where people can have access to food. Most of it is not healthy. It's not even good. That's one thing that, 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 that is happening. Mm. The other thing is in the rural context, for instance, we used to not depend on cash to buy food. We used to produce to buy food, to, to, to eat uh, in, in the houses. At the moment, mm. rural people are depending on cash. And what do we buy with that cash? Our shops are not stocking good food. Then where we live at the moment matters the most, and I'm asking myself what needs to be done because it has been proven behaviorally that 80% of people are more likely to conform to the environment. There's just 10% which will will be good even if the environment is bad. Another mm. 10% will be bad if the environment is good. Mm. But 80% are controlled by the environment they live in. Mm. then we sort of gradually created an obesogenic environment and, 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 and we just let it go. Mm. Like I'm mentioning, for instance, to say now you find KFC in, in Mufulo village mm. and mm. it was not there before. You get my point. Sure. And, and some of them will, lo- will work well long hours, they pass KFC and then they just pick up and, and, and buy. Mm. I've done an analysis in terms of of what, what, what is in the content in terms of calories or energy. Mm-hmm. A normal healthy meal with two veg, uh, not that much fat, meat, and, and a little bit of pulp gives you around 2,500 calories or kilojoules. Mm-hmm. Sparso, for instance, in the township, mm-hmm. which is having archa and, and polonia and everything, gives mm-hmm. you 5,300 kilojoules. Wow. What do you get from from Spatlo, for instance? Mm. I just no want to explain vitamins. what Spatlo is, just for our listeners. It's a, it's a huge kind of a loaf uh, where it's kind of ingested with a lot of polony, Russians, and also uh, chips. So it's a very, very loaded um, uh, uh, sandwich, a South African sandwich, if I can say so. But you can continue, Dr. Malungan. Yes, thank you for that, for that ex- explanation. It's 5,200 and something kilojoules. Wow. And you don't get vitamins, you don't get mm. minerals, no mm. phytochemicals, mm. which indirectly lack of micronutrients can drive obesity mm. because your body needs those to be able to use the energy that we are consuming. Mm. Then it's a, it's a, we just created an, an environment which promotes obesity and it's our African people who mm. are victims in this case. Mm.
Yeah. You know what? Let me take a quick break. Dr. Brunk, I'm coming to you. Uh, maybe we should deal with uh, what do we need to actually see ourselves uh, changing things because also, as we've highlighted and we keep re-emphasizing in this conversation, that the socioeconomic and demographic changes are there and we can't run away from them. They, they're and they're structurally placed in these various environments. How do we change this? Maybe it's... Uh, uh, behavioral patterns that uh, ordinary people have and also how do we actually also maybe make sure that we limit some of these environmental changes that Dr. Malungana is highlighting. Hello, I'm Dr. Amalia Ganyas-Malka. Welcome to Womanity, Woman in Unity. The show that celebrates prominent and ordinary African women's milestone achievements in their struggles for liberation, self-emancipation, human rights, democracy, racism, socioeconomic class division, and gender-based violence. Joining us today in our Johannesburg studio is Professor Intabiseng Audrey Ogude, who is Dean at the Mamalodi campus of the University of Pretoria. She serves on various boards and professional bodies in the education sector and is also the incoming Vice President of the Pan-African University. Be sure to join Channel Africa at 10 o'clock Central African Time on Thursday for this interesting episode of Womanity. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Definitely, thank you for joining us on our various platforms. Remember, on shortwave into sub-Saharan Africa, we're on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. And in the SADC region, in some countries, uh, such as South Africa, uh, you can listen to us uh, on uh, the DSTV channel 802 on uh, the audio bouquet. And uh, we've got a huge Pan-African family outside the continent listening to us. And you can Stream us on www.channelafrica.co.za. Today we're speaking about the relationship between obesity and malnutrition and the environments that actually contribute to that on the African continent. Dr. Francesco Branca, I think we've touched on a lot of the issues and the problems and the contributions to where we are right now as an African continent when it comes to this malnutrition and obesity problem. But the question is now, how do we actually make sure that we turn things around? Because I think it's something that has become a norm in some African societies. Well, uh, indeed, uh, the uh, food environment has great responsibilities. But I'd like to make the point that both undernutrition, overweight, start very early in life. We can uh, stop them by doing something while uh, uh, the woman is pregnant. And so having... A good uh, pregnancy is important. You know, getting a woman to her pregnancy with a good nutritional status, uh, you know, uh, avoiding the underweight and the overweight, having good dietary counseling, having uh, good weight gain is the first important measure. And then once the child is born, uh, giving her or him the best food in life, which is breast milk. And unfortunately, we have a big problem about breastfeeding in many of the South African countries, perhaps justified by the HIV epidemic, but that is uh, certainly one of the contributing factors. And then uh, when uh, the child needs the complementary food, 
this complementary food is not often not the right one. It contains sugar. Uh, food for young children under two should not contain any sugar at all. It may be, uh, you know, we give biscuits to children, we, we give fruit juices to children. So that food environment uh, for young children is critical for the development of, of obesity. So we can actually do something to, to, uh, to uh, overturn both the undernutrition and the overweight by doing something early in life, by giving women uh, the good dietary counseling during the pregnancy, by making sure that the products uh, for children are not, uh, you know, the, we don't promote uh, products for children which are high in, in sugar, for example. Um, we have to be careful also on how we manage uh, moderate acute malnutrition. We should not overfeed a child with uh, um, moderately acute, uh, you know, malnourished uh, by giving, for example, special products. We just have to use uh, the family food. And then the other big thing is school feeding. I mean, having a um, good school food environment is going to be critical for both the undernutrition and the overweight. In other words, we can do what we call the double duty actions. We can uh, do something to uh, prevent and correct both the undernutrition and overweight. But then, as colleagues already said, unless we have a supporting food environment uh, with uh, healthy, affordable, um, and available food uh, in uh, all neighborhoods, uh, we're not going to be able to change. So the food system has to change. And the government has a responsibility to make that food system change, for example, by having some price policies, for example, by asking industry not to use certain ingredients in the food. And, for example, mm. South Africa has been a country that has stopped uh, the inclusion of trans fat, you know, the, the, the bad fats in, uh, in, in, in food. Uh, and, and, and making sure that uh, consumers understand what is in the packaged food with, with good, clear, easy to understand uh, uh, front of the pack labeling. Uh, but also making sure that what is sold in, in the neighborhood is actually the right uh, type of products. And there are incentives to, uh, um, to supermarkets uh, to, for example, mm -hmm. make available at a lower price uh, the better food. So, so all these actions uh, are important. I know that uh, some cities, for example, mm -hmm. uh, do that. And, and you know, the, uh, the, the responsibility of mayors in cities, and, you know, we are aware of... Uh, a very interesting work done, for example, in, by the municipality of Cape Town, mm. having a plan on now improve the access and availability of good food uh, um, for all for all the uh, uh, people in, in the city. So there are yeah. a lot of things we can do. Well, also let me bring it to uh, Professor uh, Mbenyane just uh, in 30 seconds. Just your thoughts, because also we've seen demographic changes as we've highlighted that uh, um, even rural areas have become urbanized, semi-urbanized, with malls coming in, with these KFCs and souls. Um, you know, how do we actually adjust to those behavioral challenges that also uh, Dr. Malongane um, emphasized on, including examples of the spaza shops? Yes, so in addition, I'll say, uh, because uh, individuals make food choices, the food choices must be based on health, healthy lifestyles. So we need education and, and health profession and, and to assess the behavioral changes. So we need more nutrition professionals 
that will work with um, the population at the level of trying to prevent and to provide them with information. But we also need other factors, such as um, recreation, sporting, as well as transport. Um, we need different kinds of planings. Um, uh, for example, uh, parking lots should not be near buildings. You must be forced to do physical activity. So we need what we call um, the multi-sectoral approach to, to enforce good eating habits and to enforce um, participation in physical activity without us feeling that we are doing so. We, so we need a multi-sectoral approach to... Uh, address both the issue of undernutrition as well as especially overnutrition. We need um, much more so that the the individuals are forced to participate in healthy lifestyles mm. as part of their daily uh, life. And and I support what Dr. Franco is saying. Mm. It must start. The interventions must start very early in in life during pregnancy, but also through the early childhood um, schools, the primary schools, mm. must enforce uh, healthy lifestyles mm. from birth throughout, and also in our planning, mm. in the infrastructure, in everything that we do. Um, the, 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 the technology should not promote uh, laziness. And uh, Dr. Malongane, just a final intervention from you. In 30 seconds, the big problem as well is the fact that there is also kind of a stereotype around healthy food, people thinking it's more expensive than any other types of food. How do we deal with that particular stereotype? Is it also true? That could be a question in itself. In short, I could say Africans uh, should look into revitalizing the African eating, good eating behavior, which is stolen. Mm. For instance, mm. legumes. Mm. There are few of us who are eating beans, mm. very cheap sauce, mm. very nutritious. Mm. We need to go into revamping what we did which was good and put it back in the system mm. and again deal with behavioral changes as well. How do we then make mm. people behavior change towards making sure that they are healthy? Well, I am so schooled in this particular conversation. I'm sure our listener is as well. But thank you uh, to Professor uh, Shikombi So Mbenyan, who is a professor and head of division in nutrition at the Faculty of Medicine and Health Sciences of Stellenbosch University. I didn't know that you were working alongside Dr. Florence Malongane. So it's great to guys have you both on the same platform. Uh, Dr. Malongane is a lecturer and a registered nutritionist from the Department of Life and Consumer Sciences at the University of South Africa. Thank you as well to Dr. Francesco Branco, who's joining us from Geneva at the World Health Organization. He is the director of the Department of Nutrition for Health. Thank you all for giving us your time. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you.